welcome to Say Sure, the Music Explorers podcast. I am Elaine. As always, I'm Scoop Magoo. And uh, yeah, this week uh, we're doing kind of a different thing. Um, I So I, I guess backstory, uh, I've been listening to a lot of music podcasts over the past month or so, uh, and two of them have been I kind of inspired this uh, one's called Essential Tremors. The other one's called Crucial Listening. They're, they're both about, like, you know, talking to artists and sort of um, asking, like, what the important albums of their, you know, that, that sort of informed their musical, you know, career and sort of the way they looked at music even uh, were. And, uh, you know, with Essential Tremors in particular, like, it, you know, they talk about it at the beginning of every episode that it's about... You know, it's not exactly about uh, your favorite albums. It's about the albums that had the most impact. And there is a difference there uh, because you don't necessarily need, you know, you don't necessarily love everything that has an impact on you now. Um, that's just, you know, that's just how time works. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I thought it would be interesting to sort of bring that um, kind of framework to an episode here and talk about albums that are kind of important to us, not necessarily our favorites, but kind of, you know, change the way we thought about music, the way we listen to music. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that means, you know, they expanded our horizons or, you know, um, kind of met certain needs or what have you. But um, yeah, so basically we're gonna, we have three albums each or, or songs, um, whatever works um and we're gonna yeah we're gonna switch off between the three um and just you know kind of spend a little time sort of unpacking the reasons for each one um yeah and so i mean i obviously we're not um we're not really musicians as much as we're more listeners but i i still think that this um is still valid because i i mean again you know we focus on this idea of like music exploration you know of that you know you know i i think that having a relationship with music regard like you have a relationship with music regardless of whether you're playing it or you're listening to it mm-hmm. and that's dynamic that always changes uh you know and and so i think it would be cool to kind of chart that to talk about that journey a little bit so um i guess going in you know scott but what was kind of your like like did you have any you know sort of methodology in trying to decide these i don't want to say that i looked for albums that i i don't enjoy anymore or don't listen to anymore but i tried to think you know in the spirit of this conversation um you know albums that i would consider pretty formative um at the time and helped help me grow into where my you know where my taste and listening habits are now so you know kind of taking a positive spin on the the, the prompt so to speak it's, it's not that yeah. I, I think they're shitty but just that you know maybe i don't listen to them as much anymore but they served a really important um stepping stone you know really launch pad for where i am right now yeah. and i think off the top of my head i, tr- I tried to do this as organically as possible just you know really sitting down and like not looking through my collection necessarily but just thinking like back to my own musical journey and just what what stories stick out like what what moments can i you know really think back to and you know that was a a changing you know that was a turning point for me that was a a really big change it was a really big leap forward in how i consume music how i enjoy music um and yeah, I, I, I think I have a, a fun a fun collection uh, well you know of three three picks and I'm excited to, to share mine and hear yours. Cool. yeah. yeah I, I, I think just to you know reiterate, um, you know I, it, it's not necessarily that you know you, it's, I don't think a prerequisite is that you have to hate them now. I think it's more just like you know what was important to us at the time isn't always what we like now you know yeah exactly that's why i I tried to to frame it it's almost like um well uh, i was trying to use this analogy 
to not sound condescending, but it's kind of, I was going to say, it's like when you look at your old tricycle and you're like, Hey, like that was really important for me riding a bike now. Um, but yeah. I would say, I still think the, the albums that I, I picked are, I still think they're good. Like, I don't think they're, they're terrible. I don't think, I don't think there are a lot of albums that, I mean, obviously I enjoy them at some point and I, you know, obviously not to get in the tangent about guilty pleasures, but, um, I don't think there are a lot of albums I liked at one point or loved at one point that I think are absolutely awful now. Yeah. Um, but definitely in terms of importance, I'm, I'm, I think these really summarize the different steps in my musical journey. Cool. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I'll just say, you know, uh, I, I kind of struggled trying to find, um, you know, some, a, a good, um, you know, list because you know it, it's it, it. There are so many you could you could choose from because you know I I think you're always kind of consuming new music just given how easily consumable music is. Um, so you know I I I was struggling to to kind of try to like filter things out and decide you know what would be best for this and you know I, at this point we'd probably. I don't. I, I. 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 could envision us doing like a part two to this someday. So, uh, because I. I had a ton, but I. I guess last night at like ten at night, I. I. De- I decided on a couple rules that, for me, like one is just that, um, I can't have talked about it on this podcast before, or at least not as like an album of the week or like an episode topic or something like that, um, because I. I. I just. I. I didn't kind of want to rehash, um, stuff you know that we've kind of already been around before um and i think second i i think you know i mean i i guess that's i guess the second rule is is you know just the same thing as the the whole thing is just you know that it's important to the journey overall that it sort of expanded things uh either as an artist or you know a music fan you know um so yeah i i guess let's um Let's dive into this. So, what, what, um, what's your first? So, the very first one that came to mind, um, it's from, oh man, it was in middle school. I think it was maybe seventh or eighth grade. Uh, I took general music because I didn't play an instrument. That's probably a good reason to not be in band or, or, <laughs> or chorus or whatever. We, we had to do some kind of music class. And I think it was the end of the year, um, kind of a you know, slow, slow time. Um, and I think it was an audition for the next school year. It was one of my friends who, I, I think the teacher's like, whatever. Like it's, It was like the equivalent of just putting on a movie. Uh, he was trying out on bass for a jazz band. And he picked a song that I'd never heard before. And the name of the band sounded weird. Um, it was Intuminum Machine by Job for a Cowboy to try out for jazz band. Okay. And <laughs> they played the song in the background and he played bass. And at the time, I, you know, I think I, I liked Linkin Park. Uh, I think I was listening to System of a Down. Like I listened to some metal, but this was far and away the heaviest shit that I, I had heard at that time. It was, you know, and especially, like, I don't know if you that song, but no, that song was like, pig squeals blast beats like big bass line and then there's a sample of a woman screaming and of course the whole class laughed but i in my head i was like this is fucking awesome and i think you know it's one of those things where when i think back to my musical um my musical evolution uh it, it just you think like the heavier like before I really got into metal, like you just think everything's like so heavy and mysterious and evil. And like that was just the like light bulb moment in that regard for me. Um, so I think the next time I got an iTunes gift card, I bought uh, the Doom EP, which is what that song's off of. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was, you know, for better or worse, given, you know, my spotty history with Deathcore now, like that really kicked off my interest in more extreme metal because i think i i'd heard some you know traditional extreme metal bands like i heard a little bit of of slayer and whatnot at the time but like that was the first time where like a a true like heavier 
metal because I mean like you you'd hear you hear Lincoln Park system of down on the radio like not to take away from their you know you know to their value I mean I still well both those artists but like this was the first time where it was truly it felt like a capital M metal band mm-hmm. um, and it really helped kick off like that my interest in quote-unquote extreme metal which is a genre I don't love using but I think it, it, it encapsulates kind of everything that came after it just it was the first time that I, I i heard something that extreme and i was just like holy shit like i i need to listen to this now like this needs to be this needs to be on my my ipod shuffle um it's interesting that you know out of all of the like death cory kind of bands you could have been exposed to that it was job for cowboy which i mean like because like they've always i don't know in my mind they, they, they they've kind of always like you straddled the line between like deathcore and more like death metal in a way. Uh, it, although I, if I remember right, like weren't like their early, early out like work just like straight deathcore. Yeah. The, the doom EP, which was their first, I think they might've had like a demo or some songs come up before that. They, they were one of the first, um, maybe not before they were, they were a big MySpace success story. So maybe they released some songs on there before the Doom EP, but um, their next album, Genesis, and then I think the one after that was Ruination. They definitely started creeping more and more toward a true death metal sound, but Doom was, uh, I mean, that was kind of OG to, when you think of bands like Despised Icon, uh, You Know Job for a Cowboy, they were always um, truly fusing hardcore with death metal or like metalcore with death metal, and I think from there you had I mean, you could say progressed or you could say diluted, but from there, you know, it, Deathcore started becoming, you know, what it is today. We're like much more focused on breakdowns, you know, less, less of a death, you know, much more of a identifiable Deathcore sound, less of a death metal sound, but yeah, but more homogenized. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I, I guess I also out of curiosity, what did your parents think of you listening to like sort of harder stuff? I don't know if they were thrilled, um, but I think it was, um, I think just because you couldn't understand the lyrics, that helped <laughs> in an odd way. Like, I think, you know, there was that middle period where some of the songs, because they used to have to listen to all the songs I wanted to, you know, I wanted to buy on iTunes. And, <laughs> like, from there, they could look up the lyrics, or they might just listen to it and hear the lyrics, but because you couldn't really hear it. Um, and then at a, at a certain point in time, I had like, once we got to high school, I had a friend who just gave me a flash drive full of stuff. So, and then I think I would, I would pirate stuff. So after a while, they kind of just lost their, <laughs> just kind of lost their ability. Because at one point yeah. they were like, like we're going to have to check your, 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 your iPod until you're 18. And that obviously stopped. <laughs> so. <laughs> Scott went rogue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, my, my first pick, again, this was the first story that really came to mind for me, and it was it was an easy pick. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I honestly wouldn't have expected that. I, I was I was expecting, like, Slipknot. Um, so I, and not not to say that that Slipknot would be a bad choice either. I, I, I just, I was just very surprised that that job for Cowboy of all bands was kind of like that impetus for you. Yeah, I think just in the back of my head, I, I had more or less, I had a similar rule to you where I, um, I don't know, I, I just felt like I've talked about Slipknot a lot before and, you know, I definitely could have picked them. I think it would have fit, but I think just that story, I just, I like, I tried to think of like individual, like albums tied to individual moments that were really important and that like mm. just specifically hearing that i was like holy sh- i just i this is amazing because even, even slipknot because at the time i got I really got into like you know volume three which is a, a, probably their quote-unquote soft or like most mainstream you know like obviously i'd played before i forget on rock band yeah. duality it's like okay <laughs> you know these are you know i mean i still think they're good but it just felt a little bit like this felt just so evil for like not to you know, I, I mean, really, like, like in hindsight, so cult. <laughs> yeah, but like for real at the time, like you know, so I hadn't really been exposed to the type of stuff. It really did feel like, holy shit, this is so, this is so, this is so crazy. Yeah, um, 
So it, it's interesting because my first pick is also a metal band. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I guess you know that 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 was kind of that, that was kind of how we met in a way. Uh, you know, we kind of bonded over over a lot of metal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I I mean I was in I guess a similar situation. I mean, the thing is like, you know, unlike your parents, like like you know, my parents knew nothing about like you know the harder side of rock music you know their idea of like metal i think was i don't know like maybe black sabbath and i i mean they are they do not like ozzy osbourne or black sabbath or anything like that (laughs) you know they were very much like oh yeah like they saw like you know queen you know when when they were in high school I i think that was actually their first date if i remember right that they they went to see queen um you know, Queen Aerosmith, like that sort of thing. And so, you know, like I, I grew up with like that, you know, classic like dad rock sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always wanted something heavier um, or at least like, like you know, like it, it interested me to kind of verge there, but I didn't really know anything about it. Uh, and, you know, like when I heard, you know, Back in Black for the first time, you know, the, that was an eye-opening moment, but I think I've talked about that. Um, but I think when it comes to like metal, metal, uh, you know, there is one band over all of them that really introduced me to that, uh, which was Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think I, I could have picked, you know, Ashes of the Wake, but I think I, I listened to Sacrament probably more. And that, that's kind of my pick. I, I remember uh, we were moving once and I was like unboxing all my stuff or like I, I, I think maybe I might have been doing like room measurements or something, but I remember having Sacrament on shuffle on like, you know, like, do, do you remember the, the iPod? Uh, I think they were the, was it iPod Nano? The, the ones that were like, like really tiny, but they weren't shuffles. But they yes. had like that really, yes, really tiny, like scroll yeah. wheel. Yeah. I had one of those and uh, it was, yeah, it was just shuffling through Sacrament. Uh, and that was just still like, I can just remember like listening to a track like Black and the Curse and uh, Cursed Sun, you know, where like, it's this, you know, like the just having Randy Blythe just like just screaming, like the just sort of like that that harsh vocals, you know, Mark Morton's uh, guitar lines, you know, just everything was just like so, yeah, like, like I mean, just use your word, like it, it had like this evilness about it, you know, because I mean, I, I we're, we're both you know from a pretty white bread town, you know, very Christianized town, you know, very christianized part of the country um you know and you know i i there's that there's that thought that you know oh metal is satanic etc etc uh and you know it's i think it's still like that the superstition is still true uh for a lot of people even though it's just a superstition and you know i i think being exposed to that and being like oh fuck like this is actually amazing you know is was was just such a uh such a mind-blowing thing you know mm-hmm. and, it, and it you know it was because of you know a band like lamb of god that i ended up getting into like you know slayer like you know christ illusion was uh a band uh an album that i thought about having a slot in in this list mm-hmm. um you know it, it, just so many like, like you know like my my love for metal i mean i i think at least the harder side of metal sort of came from Lamb of God. I mean, you know, I think Metallica was probably like, you know, the impetus, but like Lamb of God was like where like, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, where the rubber meets the, the road as it were. Um, yeah, just, I mean, yeah, there's so many, so many like of like, I think they more like the deep cuts from the album because I, I didn't really know um, you know, like obviously, like a track like Redneck is like, you know, kind of the um, the standout track from that album. But there were a lot of really like deeper cuts on it that I really liked. Um, you know, that I I just thought were just fucking insane. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> no, it's, it's funny because I think uh, one of my recent bull news purchases, I actually bought Ashes of the Wake, and I forgot how how great that album is um yeah uh, but i I think for my birthday one year um my friend mark who was the one who gave me the the flash drive good good old mark yeah 
he made a mix CD and one of the songs was Omerta and I was just like that this is crazy however the first song um, of theirs I heard it was back I think it was like might have been Fuse it might have been like Headbangers Ball I forget what but it was uh, the music video for for Redneck <laughs> and I remember we made it until the chorus when he was like this is a mug and even if even though it was bleeped out my parents were like alright that's enough of that and I was just like holy shit this is awesome and I think the music video is like a like a a birthday party gone wrong if I remember correctly I think it's like a kid's birthday party and they show up with like strippers and whatnot. so it's a, <laughs> which is it sounds very on brand um, that's that's fantastic but yeah I mean, but yeah I, th- yeah. I, I totally agree that they kind of uh they kind of made that transition for the next generation like like in terms of, of groove metal like you know a little bit of thrash so to speak like i feel like they were they were a good middle ground between kind of comparable bands that came before them kind of like i guess pantera is an obvious comparison but i don't know yeah i think they they made it really attractive for people because i remember like the first time i listened to pantera it didn't really do as much for me as lamb of god but i think down the line i could understand you know kind of the the connection the appeal um i think that's a good pick yeah thanks yeah i i mean it's i'm trying to remember what what was the um oh, what was the first track off of ashes of the wake because i i cannot oh, remember uh, uh uh was it laid to rest or is yes it... thank you yeah, yeah because i i mean i that was probably the first lamb of god song that i'd heard and just like how like you know randy blythe does like that he does like that spoken word portion, but then he goes into like harsh vocals. Mm-hmm. Like that was, that was like kind of like the eye opening moment, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> but I, I, I think like, I think it was best solidified for me with Sacrament just because of like, you know, I, I think just the amount I listened to that album, um, you know, and I think at that time, you know, I wasn't really listening to albums as much. Um, because I, I mean, you, you know, you know how it was. I mean, like you, we, we both, you know, kind of were iTunes devotees, uh, you know, and you don't really think about buying a whole album on on iTunes a lot. Or at least I didn't, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, it wasn't until later on that I did, you know. And I, I, I think that that might actually be the first album I ever bought on iTunes was Sacrament. Wow. So. <laughs> you know, that's kind of weird thinking. It's so weird thinking like that, that how like archaic all of that is now, <laughs> but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what is your, uh, your second choice? Uh, I, I couldn't get past covering this album. We, we talked about it before for an album there, but when I was, when I was thinking back, I was like, this is just such a, for a number of musical and music adjacent reasons. Um, it's the, uh, you know, my, my friend or a couple of my friends were in a ska band in high school and just, I mean, I, <laughs> I got into Rubik Fish, Less Than Jake, like all the bands around that time. There were some local bands I was into. Uh, however, it was actually an OG ska band that was really, really important to me. And that was, uh, the specials and their self-titled debut, um, yeah, I know we, we talked about it for an album dare, but it just really yeah. like, you know, my friend's band, they covered Little Bitch live. Um, it just was, uh, yeah, it was a really good album. It was, it was one of the first, because at the time I was listening to a lot of contemporary music. So the fact that it was like an OG album that I enjoyed, which there weren't a lot of those at the time. Like I thought that was kind of cool that I was listening to like an older release. Um, but I think most importantly, is a obviously I like the music. B, um, I mean I think it's important to, or maybe not important, but it's meaningful when you're kind of you kind of get it. Like you're in on, like you you have a shared appreciation for something amongst your friends group friend groups. So like mm. that that fact that we could bond over a ska, like you know go to their concerts and you know this was kind of a a big album that we you know we all had a shared appreciation for. But I think more than that, uh, I forget who I borrowed it from, but uh, the bassist for the band, Horace Panther, he wrote uh, a memoir, which uh, the name has escaped me now, but it was, I think it was the first time that I really gave a shit about music in, in that way. Like I actually 
dove deep on the band. I actually read like a goddamn book because at the time <laughs> I, I wasn't, I had kind of fallen out of the, you know, the pattern of reading at the time. And, uh, oh, it's called Scott for Life. And of course it's SK, SKA <laughs> apostrophe fuck, D. Fuck that. I know. It's just, <laughs> but yeah, it was just, it, it was, it was just really, it was really kind of like a holistic, you know, in terms of his meaning to me, it's pretty holistic. It's just like in terms of like a, I don't want to say intellectual level, but you kind of like, I, re- I really did dive deep into the band. You know, I, I like flew through that book. I was really fascinated. I watched a ton of videos of them performing live. I like I really, you know, was interested in them. You know, it was cool to have kind of a sense of community with my friends and, and the music itself is, is great. And so again, like, you know, trying, tried to pick stuff with, we haven't talked about before but i couldn't get over just you know what that album meant for you know a myriad of reasons um mm. and i still i still think uh i still love little bitch like every time that comes it's just such a fun <laughs> such a fun song <laughs> <laughs> i'm just thinking back to when we did that episode and just like how vehement my react like how like visceral my reaction was <laughs> yeah i mean i i didn't I don't know. I, I didn't think you would like it. I'm not really sure why. I was like, yeah, let's assume an album that is doomed to fail from, <laughs> from the jump. But um... no, no, it was. It, it, see, I, I think it's it's not. You know, it, it's journey over destination. You know, yeah. It, it's 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 not about whether you like it or not. It's kind of about like the experience of listening to it. Hey, that, that that's a positive spin. I like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's it, you know, I I totally forgot that that was you know a big part of you know early early scoot music for you (laughs) like was like your whole like little ska thing yeah no it was it was really really important is is that yeah you know to have like that sense of community and have that shared appreciation was uh it was it was new to me because i mean i I think i really like around that time mid late middle school early high school was when i came like i I realized i'm a big music fan like I, i this is gonna be one of my passions and that was really a really important moment of reinforcement for that yeah, it's, I, I I think it's just cool to see the um, the variety, because I mean, like you know, I, I your, your your folks went to like family values, right? They did, yeah. They 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 um, yeah, they went to Ozfest a couple times. They were really big in, in on on that, yeah. Yeah, like I I think it's just like it's really fascinating to have like you know like sort of new metal in your life, ska in your life. Uh, your dad, I remember, had still had that copy of uh boston's first album yeah you know yeah uh, that job for i i think it's just like you know it, it, it's it's super fertile ground right there that you're that that like you know it it, it makes sense that that this was you know this became such a you know big thing for you yeah so for sure yeah uh i i, I guess you know similarly my own um passions now i think were informed by sort of my next pick um and it's uh life forms by uh the future sound of london um i don't know if i've i think i've talked about future sound of london before on here um i think maybe i talked about the album dead cities um which is really good i think isdn is really good too but life forms but I, i don't even know how i got into this album like i genuinely can't remember how like i I, I'm my best guess is that um do do you remember uh, playlist.com? Yes. Yeah, I my best guess is that I I listened to it on that, um, because you know you I don't think YouTube music was really where, it, you know, became like where it really, sort of shot out, um, so I use playlist.com a lot, and uh, I I just remember, like so. You know, I, I I think a big, you know, a big attractor to me, I think, throughout my childhood that I don't really, I don't think I acknowledged for a long time was, like, sort of science fiction. And, uh, you know, just this, I, you know, like, I, I, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with, uh, with science, like, with, like, I wanted to be a scientist, um, because I found a lot of the stuff going on to be so fascinating when in reality, I think I, I I liked more like the like the imagination part of it, you know, and so, sort of like the science fiction part of it, where like you were taking these 
concepts and just like propelling them into the future and like doing like weird shit with them um and you know and there are certain you know science fiction sounds you know that i think everybody knows you know you've got like the whole like tesla coil kind of you got the you know (laughs) kind of going on and uh um theremin playing Mm -hmm. you know things like that and you know there's like the science fiction sound that like you know like synthesizers and stuff like that have like a really big like that is like such a key thing for me um and life forms was like kind of like the first album that like i mean i don't know if i listened to it all the way through but like it it, it had a lot of that energy in it where it was like this you know this mysterious kind of like it, it sounded like a different world that was being made uh before like just in your ears uh, and I just found that so, so fascinating and cool. And I, I think part of it was that, like, you know, I wanted to listen to something like this for years and years, but I just didn't know the right terminology and, like, where to even look. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, if at that time, you know, uh, like, when I wanted to go and check out a new album or, you know, a new sound or something like that, you know, I, I, I didn't really know any resources. Like, I don't think Write Your Music was really, like... I don't think I was aware of it. I don't even know if it was around then, for all I know. Um, you know, so I, I didn't know about that. I didn't really know about, like, Wikipedia that much, you know, to, to kind of explore that. So I would just use the iTunes, um, you know, uh, charts, and I would just do, like, a Google search for, like, good electronic albums or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, what I'd get is more, like, electronic huh? Where, like, you know, you'd have, like, a lot of singers and stuff like that, you know, singing over electronic beats and things like that. And, you know, like, house and, um, you know, more more dance, you know, music. Uh, and and I, I didn't give a shit about any of that stuff, you know? Because I, I, I wanted, like, that weirdness, you know, that, that science fiction weirdness. I wanted to feel like I was, like, floating in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so... You know, like, I... I, I but, but I didn't have that terminology. Like, you know, nowadays I would have been like, oh, yeah, you know, just look up, like a space ambient album or like a tangerine dream album or you know something like that but but back then i just didn't know and you know i however i came into this i was just like okay like love this (laughs) you know give me more and i i think you know that was like basically the first electronic album that i really liked you know that i i like i i and I, I think my love for that really grew and grew. And, you know, nowadays yeah, I'm, I'm fully invested in, like, a lot of, like, synthesizer technology and things like that. And I, I just find the whole thing, like, utterly fascinating. And so, you know, this was, this was like, a big first step for me. I think, you know, like, another one would be, like, um, uh, there's a section of the first part of Tangerine Dreams Rubicon. Mm-hmm that uh really spoke to me too but like you know it it had the same vibe as this you know that just like it it felt like you were in a different world Mm -hmm. and i think you know i i guess as uh a very very depressed uh child and teenager um i kind of wanted to be in another world i guess so you know, the, it it it, it kind of like just fit together. You know, <laughs> it, it worked out. Yeah, where did that album take you from there? Like, what what were some of the, you know, I think when we really get into a genre for the first time, we kind of go down the rabbit hole. You know, where did where did that? What, what was that? The springboard. For? Um, so I I think if I remember right, the it, it was it was kind of like I mean like similar to sort of you know where where you were you know at that time that like you you're kind of being pulled in all these different directions you know i I think metal was probably the biggest pull by far um so i didn't really focus on a lot of other music but like i do remember listening to um uh there's this band called download and i think think they're like a side project of uh frontline uh assembly Mm -hmm. um and I think that there was an album that they had called like the, um, I don't know, like the Tale of Stanley Normal or something like that. Uh, I, I remember just, I, I think Amazon, like, I don't know if you remember that, like Amazon used to have lists for, um, for shit like this, that, um, sorry, <laughs> the vacuum just went off. Um, 
Yeah, that it, Amazon used to have like these these uh, fan built like like you know these user built lists where like they'd be like oh the best this this you know album and so I mm-hmm. looked up like the best like instrumental electronic albums and they they had this download album there so I got like into that a lot I got into um, there was an album by Noise Unit that I remember really liking which I I think was also a Frontline Assembly side project even though I I, I don't think I ever listened to Frontline Assembly (laughs) (laughs) weirdly enough Um, but I I think I I think the bigger thing I probably got into around that time was like Big Beat you know Uh, and I think specifically uh, the first Crystal Method album I I remember buying that 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 was probably the first electronic album that I actually bought um, if I remember correctly so like you know it, it wasn't really like it, it wasn't like I was completely diving after it but it was like you know it, it opened up that that part of me mm-hmm. in a way um, yeah and I, I think it wasn't until like college where I kind of like explored things a little you know more and you know got more into like you know more big beat sort of stuff even like a little bit of like Tangerine Dream and shit like that but you know it, it was it was slow going Mm-hmm. Um, a bit. So, it, it was it was kind of like a um, like a I, I guess like a logarithmic sort of curve, you know that like it, it kind of sped up at the end, you know. That's and it, cool it, way to it, put it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a, and, and you know, kind of synthesizer terms right there because you know that you can you can have exponential and logarithmic, mm-hmm. um, like envelope curves and you know FM and things like that. But <laughs> anyway. Sweet. I really yeah. I love the collective variety we have so far. Yeah. Of albums. Um, yeah. It it is really it is really interesting to sort of see where like where that stands overall. So. Mm-hmm. Uh and I that's gonna continue. Uh yeah. because I honestly I wanted to talk about or I guess like in a vacuum I would have picked System of a Down's toxicity, but we we did Ooh. a we we did a um, we did a, a an anniversary. I don't know why I couldn't think of that word. Anniversary episode on. I've talked about it multiple times before. Um, and there was actually another CD I found disc only at a yard sale that was really important to my musical development in a a way that I'll I'll use a metaphor of, of a train to to kind of bracket this because you were talking about stepping stones this was kind of a, a pivot point so to speak i felt like i got on the train then i had to switch trains and that you know that transfer was really big in my appreciation of hip-hop i mean at the time i was listening to drake young money um i remember i loved you know every girl in the world uh bedrock like i, I liked a lot of pop rap really surface level enjoyment of things which i mean i still like some drake i still like surface level rap here and there but i think just the way that you're supposed to appreciate rap quote unquote like i just couldn't like i couldn't get into like the old hip-hop i couldn't get into like the true lyrical hip-hop i liked i like stuff with big beats and big choruses and whatnot which isn't necessarily bad but i just i just i, I couldn't take that next step for whatever reason and then went to a yard sale um and i saw this white cd just in in this in a box and it had a a baby with an afro on the disc oh (laughs) and i was like oh this is interesting and then i read it and i was like oh shit and it was i think it was a fundraiser for the grange it might have been like connected to scouts um and so obviously they had no idea so like how much for the cd and they're like oh just a buck so i i bought notorious B.I.G.'s Ready to Die for a dollar. I mean, it didn't have a case, so that's, you know, other than that. Um, but, yeah, that was... Listening to that record, uh, that really shifted. And from that point on, I just... I became... My interest in 90s hip-hop just skyrocketed. Like, my interest in, like, gold... You know, that was the catalyst for, you know, Wu-Tang, Nas, uh, you know, to, I know not... East Coast, but you know Tupac, and, and just getting you know Doctor, just getting more and more into you know the quote unquote correct hip hop, and I, I don't think necessarily. I think it wasn't that 
what I was listening to was wrong. It just I think I wasn't listening to it in good faith. Like if you know, hip hop is is a pretty holistic genre. Like you can appreciate flows, you can appreciate the construction of songs, of beats. And I really was just like, I like the hook, I like the goofy verses and whatnot. And I just mm-hmm. I, I I think actually sitting down and listening to a classic, like listening to you know the the pupil stage of the genre was was really really maybe not pupil you know like whatever the interme- intermediary stage is um, like, the, like like the renaissance yeah almost. exactly uh and it was just i think it just one it was cool to like just find something at a, at a yard sale like that just kind of discover it um but I, I i think it was probably a it was kind of a point of pride which maybe that sounds silly to say but i just felt like um i feel like i wasn't listening to because i liked you, you, you weren't listening to flow rider <laughs> yeah but no but for real like i wasn't you know i listened to what i would consider like real metal at the time there were like different different death and black metal bands so like even though i had my deathcore phase there was you know like i i, I liked deicide um you know i liked i think even early on i liked uh like mayhem i think i had a few mayhem tracks but you know I, even though I love deathcore, I still listen to quote unquote real metal because I knew deathcore was like kind of a the the lucky charms of metal music. Um, <laughs> but I, I just I felt like listening to like Little Wayne and stuff like that, listening to like really you know the wrong type of music. I just I, I wanted I wanted it to click for me. Like I wanted to really appreciate like the like the roots of the the genre. I, I wanted to appreciate what I would consider higher quality. Even at the time, I was like, yeah, I know this is kind of bubblegum rap. And just, like, for it to click for me... And it was, it was it's kind of easy because Ready to Die is a fantastic album. But, I mean, I still remember when I put on... Um, it was a little... It was kind of fortuitous that I, I put... You know, I pushed through because intro and things done change. It's a little bit of a slow start. Um, mm. You know, because one's a true intro. Uh, I think... Uh, things done changed is is a little it's probably one of the weaker weaker songs on the album but then give me the loot comes on and like that just that song alone i was like holy shit like this is just just the you know the the braggadocio the lyricism the energy i i just i was hook line and sinker like and that clicked for me and then obviously you know juicy big papa and then suicidal thoughts is a crazy crazy song um i think mm. we talked about that for one of our lyrics episodes yeah um yeah so yeah the last two albums i picked not exactly you know totally new to the podcast but they both in their own way were really really important to my my musical development and um yeah just just a just a big one for me i think it's it, it's funny how i mean you know, it, it wasn't like there was, you know, I, I mean, I, I definitely don't like using that, like, oh, right, wrong hip hop or right, wrong music in general. But like, it, it, like, you know, Kanye West was, you know, sort of doing his own, you know, thing that I mean, maybe like it wasn't as critically acclaimed then as it is now. But like, I don't know, like he just always seems like to stand kind of apart from like a little Wayne in a way. Even like a Jay Z, I, but, but, but I mean, I, all this to say is like I, I think it's funny that both of us actually did that. Where like we, you know, sort of found our place in hip hop, you know, back in the '90s as opposed to something more contemporary. You know, I, it, it's not my um, third pick, but I mean, like you know, Enter the Wu Tang, you know, was probably like the first hip hop album. Well, is either that or um, Ill Communication by the Beastie Boys mm-hmm. um, that you know really kind of like opened that up you know and sort of made that thing but i i think it's just funny that that you know you, you go but like it, it'd be like um i mean you know if you want to use the renaissance uh metaphor you know again you know, it's just like it'd be like discovering painting not through you know looking at like a jackson pollock but like looking at like a renoir you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like neither of them are bad but i i, I think that you know, like it, it's it, it's just it's just interesting where sometimes where you start out and and you know where you end up from there. Yeah, I think part of it is, is um, you know, like I think to Texas Chain, like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 
Like that is that's my favorite horror movie. It's a phenomenal movie, and I think part of it is just you know doing more with less. Like if you watch a lot of modern horror movies, they have much better special effects. Like they have better better editing. Obviously, a higher budget than back in the day, and so I think just the ability to tell a story and deliver a great you know great film without all the bells and whistles. This is you know obviously very much true for action fantasy movies as well. I think it's kind of the same same logic with like old school hip-hop and new school hip-hop is is are do you just have flashy beats do you you know do you have flashy production you know are you kind of relying on other things or you know can you actually just ride a good beat and deliver some good storytelling deliver some good good lyrics um Mm. and I, i think that was i think that's what helped it click for me is just actually listening to ready to die and being like wow this is this is just really this is just good like it's you know yeah it doesn't have it's not full of amazing hooks you know but it's just great great beats great lyrics great storytelling it's just kind of everything that hip-hop is supposed to be um and obviously on on uh life after death he very much uh uh <laughs> very much made a lot more popular choices so to speak um but yeah i just feel like i feel like listening to listening to hip-hop through that lens or just i guess just listening to music through that lens was something that i had, i had wanted to do like I, I really like wanted to appreciate music in a way that i just hadn't been able to at that point or just like it hadn't clicked for me mm. um like i didn't i didn't want like you know i don't want to force myself to like something or just for like the clout be like oh yeah like i i enjoy this this is great i'm having a great time when like really you're <laughs> really you're you're not it's just for yeah for show um, and I think I yeah, felt, I, it it felt like that with a couple of like you know like like a Soldier Boy you know, yeah or, or I mean especially like like Young Money is just the it's just the pinnacle for me uh, of like I just I just want to fuck every girl in the world and um, <laughs> call me Mister Flintstone I can make your bed rock like it just it's <laughs> you know it just it's 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 more so like hey like this is funny it has a great hook like it's it's goofy there's punchlines. Yeah, but it's just it's you know, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of substance like they're not they're not talking about anything important and again not that every every album every release has to be super serious or like meaningful but it's like when all all you're consuming from one genre is kind of like crap it's you know it's it's not yeah uh, it's it's kind of like like oh I'm a big folk fan it's like okay what's your favorite band oh I, I listen to mostly Mumford and Sons and Taylor Swift's new albums it's like okay well <laughs> I, I I'd have to say that there's more there's higher quality folk albums that you can listen yeah to. like it, it's not necessarily that those things are bad but it's but it, it's kind of like uh like it's like a surface level it's between the surface level and like sort of a deeper appreciation for totally something. yeah, yeah. It, it's like are you you know are you uh, it, I mean it's obviously it's what you want to what do you want to get out of it? Like, there's no rules. Like, you can listen to music however yeah. you want. But like, if you, if you want to consider yourself a, music, a serious music fan, which I decided, like, hey, like this is something I'm really passionate about. I enjoy. I felt like it's probably not great that one of the, one of the most important styles of the last several decades being hip hop. Uh, I have a very childish, <laughs> childish, uh, um, you know, set of albums that I would consider my favorites from that genre, and I, I just wanted to fix that and, and ready to die helped make that happen. I had a curiosity that not not to keep this line of questioning going, but I when because I remember you said that you used to listen to didn't you used to listen to the Brother Lee? Uh maybe a song or two. I don't. I, I think just talking about not not really enjoying it um, the way I wanted to. My friend Ryan would give me like a mixtape of songs, like you know some Mortal Technique. I think it was a Brother Lee song on it like those yeah. kind of artists and i just well i i i think i was yeah i was thinking just like you know like those more like you know politically minded you know yeah who were like really like hardcore had something to say and weren't you know wanting to you know party about it yeah exactly and i think that's where the uh you know that's where the kind of guilt so to speak came in is that like <laughs> like cause ryan ryan was like really into like good hip-hop from a relatively young age and he would he would we would listen to it together. He'd show me lyrics and be like, "Hey, isn't this cool?" Like, yeah. And then I'd go home and listen to it. And be like, I kind of want to listen to Lil Wayne instead, if I'm being honest. Like, I want to listen to Drake. <laughs> like, I would just be like, if, like if I'm being totally honest, and I think Ready to Die was the first time where I'm like, I legitimately want to listen to this. Like, I'm not. 
I'm not listening to this because it's the quote unquote correct album to listen to. Like it's actually, I'm actually enjoying this. I actually think yeah. this is good. Um, See that? Yeah, that, that's so important to to have that real relationship with something. You know, and I, that that goes because I I think it's e- it's easy to kind of point out um, that like oh you know. Uh, you know, like oh, you have you you have a very surface level relationship with you know hip hop because of Flow Rider, because of Soldier Boy, you know what what have you. But I think it can go the other way. That I think sometimes you know, like you know, th- there have been books that I've read, you know, that are supposedly you know like literary and therefore good, when I just find them boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, 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 there's no personal relationship to be cultivated there. Um, whereas, you know, with, with this, it's, it's, there's a genuine interest, um, which I think is just so, so key to all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you even think back to, uh, like, and sorry, last point, cause we're going a little, I'm going a little long, but, uh, that's all right. Like, like, like suffocation, a band I love now. I remember the first time I listened to Effigy of the Forgotten, I was like, okay. Like I, I felt like I knew, like I knew how important they were to the genre, but I was like, I kind of low-key don't like this. I think it sounds a little <laughs> samey. I'm not really... And then I just went back to listen to, like, a mirror or the Acacia or something like that. And, you know, I think that... The experience with Ready to Die was kind of what I was going for. I was like, there's a, there's more depth to this genre than I'm, you know, currently experiencing. And I just want to get there. And it just... Uh, it was really satisfying and ultimately important for that to work out. Where, like, I genuinely was like, this is a, you know... Everyone would agree this is a classic, really essential hip hop listen, and I actually enjoy it. How nice! Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, um, yeah. So I, I guess my my, my last pick. Um, I was I felt like I needed to talk about some jazz a little bit mm-hmm. uh, because I mean jazz was a a really big milestone for for me you know because it, it was i think similar to like electronic music like you know there's kind of like this like aesthetic of of jazz music that i was always attracted to but you know similarly i didn't know where to start uh you know and i could have picked you know i i thought about including uh herbie hancock's headhunters which was like the mm. first jazz album that like really kind of like clicked for me um but i want to talk about a different one that uh, yeah, I that I, you know I, I don't really listen to as much, but I still have a lot of respect for it. it's uh, Meditations by John Coltrane. Um, mm. Yeah, because I mean, I had listened to you know I tried to listen to like Ascension and like I got through like maybe a minute of listening to it and I was like I I can't do this like this is this is just not for me, um, you know. But but my curiosity was really piqued by free jazz. Um, and Meditations was like one of the first albums. I think maybe the first was um, this Darius Jones Matthew Ship uh, collaboration called um, the Dark Side Recital. Um, but Meditations was a really big album, you know, a, a because it it was like you know by somebody who's you know still regarded as you know, one of the most important jazz musicians, just most important musicians, period. Um, you know, and, and just sort of, you know, like, I, I, I think it was just kind of like part of like that tradition that I, I don't, I really wanted to like get into something mm-hmm. around, around here. And, you know, I, I think I had listened to, I already had like Love Supreme and like, you know, I think I've, I've talked about my thoughts on that album before. I like it, but, I feel like it overshadows a lot of his other work, um, you know. And this was kind of like because I I feel like a Love Supreme kind of it it, it sort of it, it stands right in the middle for me of like you know it, it still has like that accessible tonal sort of jazz jazziness to it, but there's a freedom to sort of how things are performed and sort of the way things sound overall that is very much rooted in, you know, what we call free jazz now. Whereas like meditation is just, just total pivot to like that latter half of just like, let's just, let, let's just go nuts, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and, you know, hearing, hearing Pharaoh Sanders and hearing Coltrane kind of squeal and squawk and all of this stuff and hearing like Rashida Lee 
just kind of like banging away at these drums and things like that you know it was so like mind-blowing for me to hear that because I, I i think you know i i i love free improvisation like i i think like i i i mean i think there's a part of me that that feels like improvisation is is not only the key to almost all art but just life in general like there, there's a certain there's a certain spirituality in it almost of just like sort of dealing with what's happening in the exact present moment and just working with it and not knowing where you're going with it but being okay with that mm -hmm. um and and i just i i love that and like this was a real big you know part of me sort of coming into you know loving improvisation and realizing that you can have you can sort of set up these musical such situations where uh you know you, you're not following the rules per se or at least like that the rules are different from what the you know what they traditionally are in music um i think on top of that i think just hearing these like you know extended techniques and like these these honking you know like these scree the screeching and honking and things like that like that really maybe more than all of this probably was the most inspirational thing for me because like i've never really heard anything like that and i think we we i i i think the prevailing trend in sort of the mainstream is that you know music is melodic you know and uh this was you know this is challenging that that definition because you know, th these things are not melodic at all mm -hmm. you know i think a lot of people consider them just noise uh and and just you know hitting the ear wrong um and so it was it was just it was really cool to be able to hear something that wasn't music and yet was at the same time and you mm -hmm. know just realizing that sound is is more of a fundamental definition of music than you know any sort of you know music theory or melody or what have you um and, and that really informed sort of the way i i think about the music i make that i i i love i love hearing interesting textures and things like that and and just you know like that interests me like sort of the timbres of sound interests me so much more than the melody that somebody can make mm -hmm. um so yeah that that was like a lot like all of the stuff is just like I, I i don't think that i was realizing all of that when i was listening to meditations for the first time but it was you know i i think it's something i kind of teased out of it mm -hmm. over years and years and like i i feel like that was a big starting point for a lot of it um you know and i, I think i probably recognized it more in other albums but i think you know like like sometimes sometimes you don't really notice like the beginning of things as much as you see sort of the evidence like sort of like the evidence of where it like is generally i, I don't i don't know if i'm making any sense mm -hmm. um just yeah so <laughs> all it says I, I i i really i loved listening to this thing um you know and and I, it, it was just so important to just sort of exploring, you know, more experimental sound that I, you know, embrace wholeheartedly now. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, you know, besides Giant Steps, Kind of Blue, etc., cetera, um, I'd say that Interstellar Space was, oh, was yeah. per personally my, just like the, the uniqueness of, or I mean, I guess at the time, or at least personally for me, the uniqueness of, of just the sax and drums. So kind of for a lot of the reasons you said, it just was so... Because I, I think even at the time I heard, you know, Free Jazz... Um, uh, the, the Ornette Coleman album? Yeah, and... Uh, Jesus. Um, Shape of Jazz to Come? Ascension, sorry. I was trying, I was trying oh, to think of okay. the other, other Coltrane album. Like, I'd heard those, but just like something about like the the energy the interplay you know drums and sax you know so uh yeah it really similar reasons um i almost i almost picked a jazz album but i think the only the only one that would make sense for me is kind of blue and we've talked about that <laughs> multiple times so yeah um, I'm, I'm with you i, I kind of blue you know made me 
pick up the trumpet again. Mm-hmm. Um, so like totally, totally agree with that cinema. But yeah, but we've we've definitely talked. About, I, I think everybody's kind of talked about that album <laughs> a lot. Um, yeah. All right. Well, do you uh, you want to talk about albums of the week? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what uh, what do you got? Uh, this album's kind of a staying on the hip hop train. This album's kind of a mess, but like it's kind of a beautiful disaster in a way. Um, I think it's a little, I think it gets a little bit too much hate because I don't think the lows are as low as people say they are, even though they're, it, it just, it's, it takes a lot of different swings. And I think at, at, at worst, each song is, um, you know, at worst, it's kind of okay. But, like, the moments that are amazing are just so, so good. Um, and it is My Name is My Name by Push T. Um, okay. I just, it was part of a, I, I, you know, randomly popped into my head. I searched it when I was buying some albums on Bull Moose, and I was like, shit, I got to grab this. Uh, I mean, oh, n- numbers on the board, um, you know, uh, Nostalgia, um, Snitch, like there's just so many, um, so many good songs in this. The, the features are all over the place. The producers are all over the place. Um, like there's a song with the the one that gets hated a lot is uh, "Let Me Love You" with Kelly Rowland from Destiny's Child, which is like a really really corny song. Um, <laughs> he has like one song has two chains and Big Sean. One ha- one song has rick ross and obviously Pusha t is like a much like incomparably better rapper than those so and it's it's pretty obvious on the track but i don't know it's just it's a i feel like it's it's really creative it's really interesting um especially because you know Pusha t he kind of made his name with uh, clips which was a uh, i think it was a duo with his brother and it's a really well-known uh southern hip-hop group very uh uh, I haven't listened to them a ton, but it's kind of what you'd expect. They, you know, they released. Uh, I think it's Hell Hath No Fury is their big album, and I don't know to see him kind of try something new on his, his debut and just do a lot of interesting things, try a bunch of different sounds. Like one of the songs is produced by Hudson Mohawk, um, oh, which wow, is okay. interesting for a hip hop record. And yeah. like I said, just like the hot, like the the verses on nostalgia and numbers on the board are just like fantastic. So I don't know. It's it's kind of one of those. It's one of those records that I, I kind of appreciate the the messiness of it, so to speak. That like I appreciate that, uh, and there's nothing. I don't think there's any experiment or like there's any risk he takes that are truly fall flat. But like it's it's kind of a, and in some ways the the different moments and, and like different tones on the album help prop up the the inverse moods. So like the really hardcore hip-hop songs you know juxtaposed with some like r&b hits and some slower moodier songs that's that's kind of cool um yeah i mean i i I don't think it's a perfect album but it's definitely one of my favorite or one of my one of the most enjoyable modern hip-hop albums that i've I've come across over the years and i'm glad that i i finally own it nice I mean, I I know little to nothing about Pusha T. Like, I I knew about Clips, never really listened to them. You know, I I think I mostly know Pusha T through uh, Daytona. Yeah. Even though I've never listened to that album. Um, And uh, sort of, you know, like the the beefs that he's had with Drake. Yes. Uh, That's that's about it, though. Uh, You know, I I, I just, I, it's not like a point of, uh, negativity. Uh, it's more just I just have no experience here. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I might have to check this out this week or something like that. Um, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely no numbers on the board. Uh, I think nostalgia is great too. Uh, those two are 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 awesome. Uh, okay. So. Yeah. All right. Cool. Good. Good to know. Um. My album of the week is is <laughs> so fucking far away from from this. <laughs> uh, I don't you you might have seen it on Discogs, um, but I I decided to like just randomly go after sort of a couple albums by this band, and it's um, yeah I have the the other one coming in 
I think tomorrow, hopefully. But um, this is uh, The Mother of Virtues by Piron. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, just fucking, fucking like opposite of Pusha T uh, <laughs> here. But man, this was such a cool listen. I mean, like, I, I was it. I don't. I don't remember where I read this, but like, oh, it could have been on Apple Music that uh, when when Apps This Time came out. But they they described Puron as like Dadaist metal, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm like, I, I you know, listening to that, like listening to Apps This Time, listening to this album, I'm like, fuck, that's just like the perfect description for this band. <laughs> that just like the the level of technicality is just so fucking off the wall. Uh, but it's it's so off the wall that it it almost doesn't resemble like even traditional metal like even traditional music even like it just feels so like it it doesn't even feel like that there's like a regular beat going on sometimes yeah uh, yeah totally yeah like like even though like you know it's thing because you you could listen to like a mathcore album and like you'd still like hear like you know kind of like you know kind of like a pulse going on you know even if it's in like you know <laughs> 713 or something like that you know <laughs> um it, it, it there's still something there that keeps you shuffling whereas like Puron is just like like it, it 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 almost feels like a metal take on like someone doing like you know like sound art almost in in some ways but like it's it's so i mean but but that doesn't say that they're they're throwing the book away it's more like they're following it so closely and and peering into it and like sort of you know pulling it apart so much that like it, it's almost unrecognizable mm-hmm. um it's such a great fucking album i i love the album cover i, I love like just every like Piron album cover uh i think it's her name's carolyn harrison yeah she's a fantastic she's actually a friend of the the broader blog community and yeah. she's, she's an excellent excellent artist she is she is fantastic yeah and i, I, mean, I, I the, love that she has like a unique style that she created like you know all of her pieces are just a little yeah. bit different but you do it's very very like she did the new uh moon tooth album which even though that's much less graphic than her usual style you totally could see you know you totally could yeah. see her, her work there the, there are certain like you know like travis smith sort of has that same uh, kind of style you, you you really get like the idea that it's him like sort of through the texture of it mm-hmm um, yeah, it's the same thing with, with Carolyn Harrison for sure. I mean, the the, the album cover of um, uh, "What Passes for Survival" is probably my favorite. Of just like, like I, I remember seeing that like years ago and being like, "What the fuck is this album?" <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, "Mother Virtues" is just like, like even more insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, it, it's I, I'm just I'm really glad to have this. I think. Um, well, past first survival comes in. Like I said, hopefully tomorrow. So you know, I have three of their four albums. You know, it's yeah, nice. Really, really glad I went for it. So sweet. All right. Well, uh, I guess we shall uh, bid everybody adieu, and um, we'll be back next week. And um, thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Bye.